This is the podcast for Narrate Church. Narrate Church meets every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. at the Grand Street Theater in Helena, Montana. For more information, visit www.narratechurch.org. Merry Christmas. It's fantastic. Uh, just, we recognize that there's lots of places that you could celebrate Christmas Eve, and so uh, welcome, and we're thrilled that you're here. Uh, for those of you that are regulars, like this is home, uh, Merry Christmas to you. You're going, what's with the blazer <coughs> uh, story? So I had this in my mind, like I, I, I want to wear a blazer, and I got on eBay, and I had no idea what kind of finances we were talking about to buy a, a sport coat, and so no, so I ordered one, and it didn't fit right, and I didn't like the color, and I sent it back, and then I went to Good Sam's, and I was pumped, like, wow, perfect, fits me perfect, and uh, got it on and been, been waiting for Christmas Eve, and then I was up there during the pre-service meeting, and I was like, who has BO? I mean, it reeks in here. What is going on? Could not figure out who stunk so bad. And then I went to the bathroom, and I was like, oh my gosh, it is terrible. So I will not be wearing the blazer tomorrow, I don't think, because it's, I, I, went, I went in the back, and I grabbed a stick of deodorant in my backpack, and I just rubbed it all over the inside of the coat. I... I I, I didn't know what else to do. So I'm hoping I don't get distracted by my own stench as we move forward. <laughs> uh, if you're guests with us, welcome. We're, we're thrilled that you're here, whether you're from out of town or uh, this is your first time to narrate in town. Uh, our bent around here is we gather and we scatter. And this is what we mean by gather. Uh, we, we value the Sunday morning gather, gathering and the role that it's played in God's church uh, historically. We think it's integral to helping us grow in our relationship with him and be united uh, you know, in common vision for what it means to be God's people in a community. And so we gather, and this is what we mean by gather, and then uh, we scatter, and the hats and gloves for Head Start and the soccer balls to Ecuador are what we mean by scatter. Uh, we, we just feel like, in most cases, what people need to consider Jesus and who he is and what he's about isn't uh, a lecture, like what I'm going to do, um, but but is someone to put flesh on who he is. Uh, that most of us are compelled, not by the facts that we know, but by the stories that we're told, and especially when those stories are real life service. And so that's kind of the way we're wired. And there's some great people at Guest Central, which is a table in the lobby. And as you go, if you'd like to have a conversation about what we're about, uh, that would be a great place. Because it reeks up here. Like, you don't want to come talk to me. It's, <laughs> it's bad. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I want to explore one question this morning, and if you're uh, new to narrate, then that's kind of the way we do things as we organize our gatherings around kind of a question and wrestle things through. And uh, the, the, this morning, uh, the, the question that, that I like to ask is, what, what if Christmas is about displacement? Now, that's not a very Christmassy word. It's not even a very normal word. It's a little ethereal, and so you're going to have to give me time. We're going to unpack it. But, but, but seriously, like, what, if, what if God's plan uh, for displacing evil it involves all of us. And though it doesn't seem natural to talk about evil and it doesn't seem natural to talk about displacing brokenness on Christmas, what if that's precisely what the Christmas story is all about? Uh, to be perfectly honest with you, we, we've for a couple months had scripted what we would communicate from the text this weekend and I just think that recent current events caused us to listen to the Holy Spirit and go like, hey, what, maybe, maybe we need to rethink this. Uh, maybe we need to talk about evil and good, and the tension between those two things. So what if Christmas is very much about displacement? Uh, not replacement, that's what December 26th is about, right? When you go back to Target, and you replace what you got for what you wanted, the white one for the black one, the, the Kindle for the Nook, uh, the, the 9.99 for the, or the T-shirt for the 9.99, or you, you'll even take a gift card, you don't care, like you just don't want the shirt, right? Or the, or the, the, the BO uh, blazer. <coughs> Uh, 
No, what if it's about displacement? Uh, I, I brought a dictionary. If you're 16 or younger, you probably have never seen one of these. Um, <laughs> because it's just one of many functions on your computer or your, or your phone, and, but they really did have these at one point. Um, like, I remember when I went off to college, like it was kind of, it was on your book list. Like if you're gonna go off to college, you needed a dictionary. Remember that? I, I got mine on my way to college um, on Christmas Eve of 1998 from Grandpa and Grandma. And it was cutting edge technology, because it had these things. <laughs> Like, you don't have to flip through the book and like, where's the J? Like, you just go, bam, there it is. And I mean, this is a big deal. Uh, so displacement, if you were to look up displacement in the dictionary, many of you have already done it three times on your phone, but uh, the definition for displacement is the act of displacing, uh, the state of being displaced, or the amount or degree to which something is displaced, uh, which means your fifth grade English teacher was wrong. You can use a word to define a word. Is that not frustrating? Like, I'm going to go through the hard work of grabbing the dictionary, and they just use the word to define the, the word. Okay, so displace. Uh, it means to replace, uh, to supplant. What if Jesus' birth some 2,000 years ago was very much about replacing evil with good? Like, like what, if, what if Christmas, uh, in all its historical significance, God becoming man in the flesh, that was redundant, God becoming man, what if it's very much about displacing evil? Now, I think before we move forward, we've got to go like, that, that, that's kind of a hard pill to swallow. And some of you are probably beat me to that line. Uh, you're at a spot in your own journey where you go like, there was a time where I could sign off and I could sing the Christmas songs and I could go, God is good, uh, but not anymore. Like, you, you moved to the city, you, maybe you're a social worker, maybe you work with the public, like, you're just well aware of how dark it is out there. And for you, that whole notion that, that God has displaced evil with good some 2,000 years ago with the birth of Christ, you, you have a hard time signing off on that. Uh, you, you, you watch the news too much. Some of you, maybe you're not here at all out of spiritual conviction. You're, you're here out of tradition or out of respect to your family, and, and that's okay. I, I respect that. But, but I'll bet you at the core of your issues with God are this issue of if God, then Why? And I think uh, one of the things us Christ followers often fail to do is acknowledge the validity of that uh, hang-up. Because I think at times like this, and then when you read the news, and when you listen to what's going on in North Korea every day, and when you listen to the senseless acts of violence, and when you just pay attention to what's going on there, uh, quote-unquote religious people like myself, we're often really guilty of just sticking our head in the religious sand and not really thinking about the complex things that the rest of the world is thinking about. Like, wait a minute. A bunch of Christians are going to gather and they're going to sing about God, God's goodness and his control. How do they reconcile that with Connecticut? That's brutal. That's tough. That makes even the, the, the best theologians squirm a little bit. And maybe some of you, uh, maybe for some of you, uh, you know, you're, you're, many of us are decided. We're, we're on one side or the other of the fence. And maybe for some of you, you're on a really sincere journey. And there's these people that you love who are talking about Jesus and there's other people that you love who are talking to you about how ridiculous of an idea that is and you've been moving along this path and, and sometimes when these horrific things happen, you, it just gives you pause and you go, I, I don't know, I forgot. This was the very issue that I had with this whole God business. Again, I return to this question, what if, what if Christmas is very much about displacement? Uh, displacement 
And that there's actually a theory uh, called the displacement theory. How's that for technical? I'm sorry, I'm distracted by my own props. What am I doing over there? Um, <laughs> there's a theory called the displacement theory. And what it means is that, <clears throat> that, that one of the ways that you can get rid of something that's, uh, that you, that, that's undesirable is you just simply inundate it with what is desirable. Like one of the ways you get rid of something bad is to overwhelm it with something good. Uh, you know, when you throw clothes in the wash machine, you're attempting to displace that which is foul, which there's hopefully only a little of, with a large abundance of that which is clean, the water, right? Or go ahead, Sam, hit the blackout. Like this, this is displacement. That's a broken match. This is displacement. In our age of technology, we take it for granted, but like, were it not for light, darkness wins. Right? Like that's, that's the reality of darkness. And the way you deal with darkness is uh, you can't erase it with an eraser and you can't tell it to go away. You, you have to introduce light. It's the only chance you have. Go ahead. Thanks, Sam. Uh, another illustration of displacement is this. Uh, I didn't tell the musicians that I was going to do this, so hopefully this goes all right. But right, uh, do you ever eat your Greek yogurt and the container's really nasty and you stick it under the sink and you just let the water run, Right? or you eat something out of the Tupperware, and you just kind of do your thing. I mean, th this, this is displacement, that if you did this long enough, you would eventually have uh, what you want, right? And if you have to go to the bathroom right now, you are jonesing. <laughs> <clears throat> what if Christmas is about displacement? Uh, when, when I think of the text, and obviously, of course, I'm biased, like here I am standing up here and talking, but the thing that I love about the text uh, is, is it's, it's not naive to this issue. It's not naive to this tension. Like when I look at the text, it's really honest about the tension between good and evil, uh, light and darkness. And in fact, when, when you really give the scriptures an honest leading, what, reading, what you see is that God, too, is very sensitive to that very... Uh, very troubling reality. Now, if you're new to the Bible, what you, what you may not know is that there are four Gospels. And a Gospel really is a genre like poetry. It's not a biography, but it's the closest thing we have to a biography. A Gospel is it's where the red letters of Jesus are. It's where we have quotes from him. It's where uh, these, these men who recorded parts of Jesus' life, it's, it's where they were written down and captured for us. There's four Gospels. Interestingly enough, uh, those four Gospels collectively tell us almost nothing about Jesus' life right up until he's 30 years old. So Jesus' ministry is traditionally thought of as from 30 to 33, give or take months, like we're not going to get caught up on exact ages. It's a three-year deal. Uh, with, with very little exception, the Gospels tell us nothing uh, about his life up until 30. Uh, we, we know nothing about Jesus' life at 22 years old. Absolutely nothing. We can speculate. We, we know nothing. We, we know a little bit about his 12-year-old uh, experiences, and really we know about a day. Even when you consider his toddler years, uh, very, very little is said. Uh, much speculation historically, lots of money has been made off the speculation. But if you open the Bible, uh, you, you kind of are bummed if you start going like, okay, so what was Jesus like at 27? But when it comes to his birth, we have a profound amount of material. It's crazy, especially comparatively speaking. Nothing about when he's 17, nothing about when he's 27, nothing about when he's 6. But three of the four gospel authors give incredible due to the events surrounding his birth, which causes us to go, huh, even the very first followers of Jesus must have thought there was something significant about it. And what I want to suggest to you 
is that they very much saw it as displacement. Uh, Listen to John. We're just going to kind of work through a few of those different passages. Now, John, this is the oldest gospel or the latest written gospel, and John opens up writing to a Greek culture, and he's using this word word, and it really, he's using it to refer to Jesus, but word in John's culture was uh, the the common thinking about spirituality. And so what John is saying is, hey, the word, that's Jesus. So so come with me in this. Uh, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Some of you are going like, this sounds like a hobbit riddle. Um, Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all the people. Now listen to this in verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He, he being Jesus, he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light, the light that the, the, the light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So if you were to ask Jesus, or excuse me, if you were to ask John, hey, hey, hey John, uh, why was Jesus born? He would say, oh, well, because he was light. Like, John, John why was Jesus born? Uh, he came to displace darkness, to replace evil with good. And if you were to go to the book of Matthew, uh, the, the, the very Jewish gospel, and in Matthew, what we get is uh, Mary's account. <clears throat> and this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, oh wait, sorry, th- this is Joseph's account. Before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived is her in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, uh, Yeshu, uh, Joshua is the Hebrew word there, because he will save his people from their sins. So if you ask John, like, John, why was Jesus born? What was the significance of his birth? John it would go, oh, he came to displace darkness. A pretty general kind of ethereal statement. Uh, if you were to ask Matthew, Matthew, why was Jesus born? He would say, oh, well, he came to displace sin. He came to displace, uh, to, displace to replace the, 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 the evil in you and I. Like the very individual stuff. Uh, the, the brokenness that hopefully we're all a parent of. And then there's one more of the three of the four Gospels that mentions this in Luke. Now in Luke we do get uh, <coughs> Mary's account in Luke chapter 1. See, it's not fair because you have it up there, but I've got to find it here. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Here's the significant part I want you to catch. His kingdom will never end. What we call the the kingdom of God. So you say to John, John, why was Jesus born? Uh, He came to displace darkness. You say to Matthew, uh, Matthew, why was Jesus born? He he came to displace the the, the darkness in each and every one of us individually. You say to Luke, why was Jesus born? And he says, oh, he came to establish a kingdom that would establish the, the dark kingdoms of the world. 
and you start realizing that Tolkien was very, very Christ-centered. See, uh, the kingdom of God, which uh, I barely understand, and the part that I do understand would take months for, for we need to do a series, but the gist of the kingdom of God is this. It's, it's the domain in which God's will happens. Like when you treat somebody uh, the way God would treat them if he were you, that's the kingdom of God crashing into earth. See, Luke is very aware of what you're aware of. There's dark kingdoms. And he's going, hey, hey, Jesus came to establish a kingdom that would displace the dark kingdoms of the world. Very structural, very big, not necessarily with governments, but, but very substantial in size. Which gets to this question, what if Christmas is about displacement? What if God is not naive to the tension between good and evil? What if God's not at all indifferent? What if God has a plan? And then the beautiful, troubling thing is that his plan involves everyone in this room. God very much says, I am Lord of it all. It is mine, and yet I'm an empowering God. I'm not a micromanaging God. I am an empowering God. Here's how I'm going to deal with evil is the message of Christmas. God says, I'm going to deal with it. Uh, I'm going to deal with the evil in you. Now, we've referred to the gospel with a lot of different terms, and in some traditions, you raise your hand at the end of the service, and in some traditions, uh, you go through a series of classes, and in some traditions, you come forward, in some traditions, you don't have to do any of those things. It's just a personal thing between you and the Lord. All attempt to articulate a person's coming to grips with the fact that they're broken. That's really what being saved, being born again, whatever word you want to use, that's what it's about. And and recognizing that the only hope we have is to allow Jesus to enter our lives and displace the inherent brokenness in each and every one of us. That's Matthew's message, right? Uh, Paul articulated it this way in 2 Corinthians. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Reading one of my favorite theologians this morning, Dallas Willard, and he, he just reminded me that in Jesus' day, people didn't decide to follow Jesus for fear of what would happen to him if they didn't. They decided to follow him out of the profound picture of life that he presented to them. A life of what? A life of light, free of the brokenness. What if God is not at all naive, but he says, hey, 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 I'm going to deal with the brokenness in individuals And then I'm going to do this thing called community, this thing called organization, this thing called church, but please don't get hung up on the word. It's not the institution so much as a movement of God's people who are bent towards displacing darkness. God's power, absolutely. We're not talking about some utopian, we can do it by our own strength. It's God in us. Jesus said it this way, you're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. What is he saying? He's saying this is a dark world. And the only hope this world has is my church, my people. That they, in partnership with me and my spirit, would enter it and they would displace darkness. See, it strikes me that we are at a time where we all want to point a finger at evil and go, that's evil. What are you going to do about that? And I think when we ask God, God, if then what? What are you doing about evil? I think God goes, "Uh, where's my people? Where's my church? Where's the Christ followers? Where are those people uh, that are called to displace darkness with their lives? 
See, Christmas is a brilliant day to celebrate, and I think that the church historical, we don't celebrate his 21st birthday, we don't celebrate his 27th birthday, we don't celebrate any of those days because the church didn't, the, the scriptures don't. The significance of Christmas is God breaking in to do something profound and in a profoundly dark world. And yet God uh, doesn't limit the tasks and the opportunities and the permission to himself. He goes, I'm going to raise up a church. In which sense, uh, Christmas is 365 days a year. God's son crashing into earth through the lives of his people. God's son crashing into earth through the lives of his church. Churches, there's lots of great ones. That's the message of Christmas. And I think the, the, the question then is, uh, are, are, are you allowing Jesus to displace the darkness in you? That's where it has to start if we're following the scriptures. No finger pointing. Are, are you allowing him to displace the darkness in you? And I'm not asking even if you're a Christian, because probably most of you call yourselves one, and most of you are. I, I don't know, that's not my place. I'm asking, are you taking seriously the opportunity you have every day to allow Jesus to enter into your life and displace the brokenness in you? To help you process your wrongs, to help you process the way you interacted the day before with people, to help you deal with whatever it is that's going on in you. Are you creating space for the scriptures and for prayer and and to flesh it out and to do it in a way that really matters as you go about your life at school and work? And it really gets to the second question is, Uh, Is your life one that's displacing darkness in your world, on your team, in your community, in the office, in your home, in your neighborhood? That's Christmas, right? God crashing into earth in the flesh. And the crazy, unimaginable, and yet biblical truth is he crashed into the earth in the flesh some 2,000 years ago. And his intention is to do it every day. Through you. Through me. For more information on Narrate Church, visit www.narratechurch.org or download the mobile app now available for iPhone and Android.